0: And good morning, Mountain Park. How are you? My name is Alan, and uh, so glad that you're here. I hope that uh, for those of you who chose to recognize Valentine's Day here this past week or remembered that it uh, happened, I hope you had a, a better experience than I did. I, uh, I uh, decided that I would take my wife on a, on a romantic evening to the, uh, to the hockey game versus versus the Washington Capitals uh, this Monday night, and uh, and uh, uh, apparently it wasn't as romantic as I thought it might be, and so I ended up going with my nine-year-old son. Uh, that's a whole other uh, story there, but, but I got such a big kick out of being at the game, and uh, I, don't know if you've, if, I don't know if they do this typically at, at other sports, but at hockey, between periods, on the screen, they often let people pay money so you can say, happy birthday, Steve, or or happy anniversary or we're glad you're here or whatever on the screen the different things that they might say And I got such a big kick out of, the, out of all the Valentine's messages that were happening that night between periods that happy Valentine's Day sweetie or uh, you're my valentine and uh, just, uh, just got such a kick out of all the all the idiots who thought that if they did that they'd make up for the fact that they took somebody to the hockey game on Valentine's Day and my favorite was one that said what could be better than Shane Doan and Alex Ovechkin on Valentine's Day. Love, Ken. And, and I couldn't help but think, you know, uh, whoever's sitting next to Ken could probably think of something that would be better uh, on Valentine's Day. But who am I to say anything? Because I was sitting there with my son. Now, uh, my wife and I celebrated Valentine's Day on Sunday night, the day before, so that we could do that. I just wanted to make sure that was, uh, that was clear on that. But uh, today we're talking about wisdom, <clears throat> And there are uh, times in life where we, uh, where, we, where we model it and times in life where maybe it's not quite as obvious for us. If you're new with us, we're in a series, a year-long series called Whole Shebang Part 2. And what we're doing is looking at God's overall story, the whole shebang, the entire story of humanity. when are breaking up into seven different sections. Today we're closing out the first section, which is entitled The Exodus, uh, by looking at a character named Solomon. He was the third and final king of a united Israel. He was king of Israel when it was at its largest, when it was at its wealthiest point in history. And this, is, this marks the end of our Exodus story, the climb of the nation of Israel. And then the next section we'll look at uh, starting in a couple weeks is the exile as the nation of Israel starts to have some, uh, starts to have some struggles. And as we're doing with each character that we're looking at in the whole shebang story, we are then inviting God to say, what character issue do you want to look at in my life? And the character issue that we're looking at this morning is uh, is the fact that Solomon modeled how to be passionate for wisdom, how to have passion for attaining wisdom in terms of how to make good decisions, how to do life well, how to make decisions that are not taking someone to a hockey game on Valentine's Day. That all of us have certain areas where we are, where we could have a little bit more wisdom in our lives. And that's what we're going after uh, here this morning. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, we are uh, thankful for your presence here. We experience it in worship and that our hearts connect with you in that way. And, and Father, now I pray that you would um, uh, free our minds, that we would be able to connect with you. As we embrace your story, as we think about your word, as we meditate on who you are, that you would come and bring wisdom into the area that you want to bring into each of our lives. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. I invite you, if you brought your Bibles, to turn with me to First Kings chapter three. It's where our story of Solomon begins. First Kings is, is about a quarter of the way into the Bible. The story of the monarchy of the kings of Israel begins with 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, 1 Kings, Second Kings. And uh, here we are in, uh, in 1 Kings. Chapter 3, verse 5. 1 Kings 3, 5. At Gibeon, appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream, and God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want. I mean, just imagine God coming to you and offering that question. How would you respond? What would be your response to that question? Here's what Solomon says, verse 6. Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. This is when Solomon was the newly appointed king. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people. You have chosen a great people, too numerous to count or number. He wasn't a child when he became king. He was uh, close to 40 years old, but but in terms of wisdom, he felt like a child, and he brought this to his God. Verse 9, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong, for who is able to govern this great people of yours? He asks for a discerning heart, and God is very pleased with his request, very pleased that he did not ask for fame or riches, so pleased, in fact, that God gave him the wisdom that he sought, And in addition to that, gave him the the riches and the fame that he did not ask for. God was very pleased with his request. Now, what's interesting in Solomon's story is that his wisdom is a gift from God. His wisdom was something God gave to him. See, it's not a character issue in terms of the gifts that God gives us. That's not a character issue. Tiger Woods is more gifted as a golfer than most people in this room. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he is of high character. And so it, wisdom is, is, is in a different category. We can't put wisdom in the same category of other gifts that we get from God. We're unique. We're different. Some of us can sing better than others. You know that. You've heard those around you. Uh, uh, we have... We have different giftings in terms of coordination. Some are just naturally more coordinated for sports. Some can put their thumb and put it all the way up to their wrist. Some are gifted by God to do miraculous things like that. And and, and it's not a character issue to to say whether we have been gifted by God with those particular kinds of things. The character issue jumps in with regard to wisdom by by. By the fact that we all need wisdom in different areas of our lives, we can't just say, "I'm not a wise person. I'm not gifted in that way. I can't do finances. I can't do relationships." The character issue is to, is to stand before God and say, "I want to know how to do life well. I want to know how to make good decisions in life. The character issue is to have the passion of Solomon for wisdom. Turn with me, if you will, now to uh, Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. It's going to be right in the middle of your Bible. If you find Psalms, just go to the right and you'll find Proverbs. Proverbs is, is... Written by Solomon, and there are guidelines in terms of how to do life. Proverbs is not a list of rules and laws and promises that says, if you do this, this will always happen to you. That's not what Proverbs is about. It's not a list of commandments. Proverbs is a list of sayings and guidelines on how to do life, and they're applicable. Different Proverbs are applicable to different persons in different situations. So here, let's jump in at the very beginning, chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Just making this real clear. Many of the Proverbs would have come from other sources and they would have been long-time uh, oral tradition, but Solomon is the one who compiled and through, through whom God wrote um, uh, the book of Proverbs. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life. Doing what is right and just and fair. Doing what is right and just and fair. Making good decisions in life. Chapter 1 goes on to, to invite us to embrace wisdom. May we have the character issue of being passionate about embracing wisdom. Whether you feel like you are gifted in wisdom or not, may we all embrace wisdom. That we all have the opportunity in life to either embrace it Or not. And then uh, Solomon gives four different ways that we can respond to wisdom. Jump down to verse 22, still in chapter 1. Verse 22 How long will you, simple ones, love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? There are four different responses to wisdom that are consistent throughout the book of Proverbs that Solomon offers here. We have the simple. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? We have the mockers. How long will mockers delight in mockery? We have the fools who hate knowledge. And then overall, we have the wise. The simple, the mockers, the fools, and the wise. The simple... They're the ones who are are just naive. Simple means we just haven't learned yet. And it's not a slam to call somebody simple necessarily. Obviously, it could be, but not necessarily because we're all born simple. We're all born naive, and it is a process of growth that we learn things, that we become wise. It's the reason that a 50-year-old doesn't look at a 13-year-old who's smoking and says, Wow, that looks so cool. I mean, there's just kind of, there's, there's this simplicity that, that, that um, gets overtaken by our wisdom. It's the same reason that credit card companies target 19-year-olds in college. Because they don't understand what 19% interest means. There's just this naivety that, that is a part of life in terms of, of moving in this direction. The second way that we can respond to wisdom is the way of the mocker. The mocker is the one who dismantles wisdom, who is not interested in wisdom and has the ability to knock it down, has the ability to deconstruct it, to destroy wisdom. The mocker is the one who may go to church or may go to a place where there's godly wisdom being talked about in some way, a small group or whatever, then get in the car and on the drive home and say, oh, that was all just a pile. That, that preacher, he, he, he's, he's just, I don't know what he's talking about, but he's still in the 20th century. He's not talking about the way, he doesn't understand the way the world works. It's the mocker who hears that we are to not have sex outside of marriage and says, man, what, what, what century are you from? It's the mocker who, who hears that we are to, to generously and joyously give 10% of our income towards the work of God through the local church. And it's the mocker who says the church has an agenda there. The mocker has become so gifted at dismantling godly wisdom. And then the third type of person, type of response to wisdom that Solomon draws out here is, is the fool. And the fool is one who, you know, verse 3 from chapter 1 there, fool is the one who, who knows what is right and just and fair. That's what the Proverbs are all about, making good decisions. The fool knows what is right and just and fair and just refuses to do it. The fool knows it but refuses to do it. The fool has the bottle in front of him or her and it has the the graphic on there, that says, the poison graphic, says do not drink. Poison, poison, poison. And the fool says, I'm going to drink it anyway. The fool is, is the one who, to whom one would say, don't you understand that if you have an affair, which is a natural desire and it's the response of all the things that are going on in your life, and all, if you do that, it'll destroy your marriage? And the fool says, yes, and I don't care. The fool is the one to whom one might say, do you understand if you take that, if you make that job decision, you make that job choice, it will be detrimental to your relationship with your kids? Yes, and I don't care. Do you understand that if you cheat, that you could get kicked out? Yes, and I don't care. Then there's the wise one. So there's, there's the mocker, uh, there's the simple, there's the fool, and then that is all in contrast to the wise one. The wise one does what is right and just and fair. Doesn't just know what is right and just and fair, but does it, but actually acts on it. The difference between a fool and a wise person is action. Because it's not just enough to know what the wise thing to do is, to, to know what we think we would do in a situation. That doesn't make us wise. Wisdom comes in what we're actually doing in that situation. The difference between the simple and the mocker and the fool and the wise is what we're doing in our opportunities for wisdom in life. What you are doing now determines which of those four you are. And the character issue is to move us move us towards making decisions that are wise in life. Now the reality is that there's no such thing as a person who is absolutely simple or absolutely a mocker or absolutely a fool or absolutely wise. We all have different elements of these four things in different areas of our lives. Uh, Solomon was extremely wise. He's known as the wise Person. People came from all over to listen to his wisdom and experience all that God had blessed him with. He's the one who wrote Proverbs, these sayings and words on how to do life. He's the one who wrote Ecclesiastes, this, this investigation on what is the meaning of life. He wrote Song of Songs, which is talking about intimacy and, and, uh, and our sexuality. He understood, he had wisdom in many, many, many different areas, but he lacked it in one major area. The area of marriage. Now, many of us have different elements of those, those four types of persons with regard to marriage. Most of us enter into marriage pretty simple. We enter into a marriage with a lot of naivety in terms of what that whole thing is all about. And what happens and how this all works and what it's going to take to make this thing work. And it's kind of a beautiful thing, you know, in a sense to enter into a marriage with some of that simplicity, that beautiful simplicity. Some respond to marriage with mockery, just as a a result of painful situations from our past, maybe our parents, and and breakups and split-ups from our parents. And so, as a result, we want to destroy the beautiful thing that God wants to do in, in marriage. We just want to make a mockery of the whole deal. Solomon's response was that he was a fool. He was a fool. You know how many wives he had? 700. Seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. I don't even know what a concubine is. I I I don't have any. <laughs> Seven hundred wives, three hundred concubines. It's my understanding that Solomon did not get married until he became king, and then he lived as king for about forty years. So, if you have a thousand women involved, that's a new woman about every two weeks. That's Gene Simmons. I mean, this guy would take the bottle and see the large warning sign on it, and he would drink again and again and again and again. See, even the wisest of us can have areas in our lives where we don't shine with wisdom. That's why an amazing Christian counselor who has helped hundreds of people in his or her life can have A marriage that falls apart. That's why a brilliant CEO who has done amazing things with multiple companies but has an absolutely terrible relationship with his kids. That's why a loving father can pour into his children and and talk about abstaining and saving yourself for marriage while he is living with his girlfriend. It's so possible for us to have wisdom in certain areas of our lives and just have blind spots for other areas of our lives. We can have wisdom in terms of marriage and our work ethic and our work abilities, but be foolish in terms of our finances. We can have great wisdom in terms of of social skills, how to interact with people, relationally, street smarts, yet when we're alone, and it's just us and our leisure time and how we're using our time alone when no one's around, that's when we become foolish. There's no such thing as an absolute this, this, is. We all have different elements of these in different parts of our lives. So the question is, in what area of your life do you typically... Lack wisdom. I mean, if you, as you look back on your story of life, what area do you consistently lack wisdom? Now, it's possible to lack wisdom in some area, and, and that's okay. Uh, for instance, I wish I knew more about home improvement. I, I, I wish I did. I mean, when it comes to putting up a shelf or hanging a picture or putting together some furniture from Ikea, I, can, I got it. I nailed it. But when it comes to plumbing or electrical, I'm pretty simple. We, I had to uh, try to replace a faucet in my house this week, and, and step one was to remove this, uh, like a two inch nut that was holding the whole thing up, up top there. That was step one. I don't even know what step two was. Because I couldn't get the thing, it was way buried up there. It's a two. How do you get this thing off? So I'm searching on the internet about possibilities about how to get this thing off. I didn't have any tool that was big enough to get in there. And said, "Well, if it's tight or if you can't do this, then you gotta, then you gotta saw it off. Saw off a two-inch nut way up inside there. You've got to be kidding me!" So I did what any wise person would do at that time: call the plumber. Now, in in areas where we lack wisdom that are not character areas, well, the consequences are inconvenience, money. But in areas where we lack wisdom that are character issues, the consequences go way higher. The stakes are much higher. In character areas, such as ones I've already referenced, of, of marriage and parenting and, and social relationships and our finances and And how we handle ourselves when when no one's watching, when it's only us and God. What we do with our leisure time. The character issue areas, those are the ones where, where we are to seek wisdom. The beautiful thing is that God does not require us to clean up every area of our life starting now. When we... Become a follower of Christ. There is no expectation that says, boom, now that you say you love Jesus, you want to be baptized next week, you want to be called a Christian, full out so that everyone here knows you are a Christian. There is no expectation that you have every area of your life completely cleaned up so that you have moved to the area of being the wise in every area. The beautiful news is that the transformation that Christ wants to do in our lives, he invites us to work on one area at a time. Sometimes there's miracles that happen, and boom, we can clean up a whole bunch of areas. In my experience, it's one area at a time. It's one room at a time that the transforming power of Christ comes in and wants to move us from simple mock or foolish to being the wise one. So once again, in what character area of your life Do you believe Christ wants to work on wisdom so that you can make better decisions in that area? What character area of your life? What I would guess is that in that area that it would be very helpful to see things differently. It would be very helpful to kind of see that area from a different perspective, to not just keep on kind of pounding at it from the same way that we have been pounding on it. For this wisdomless Valentine's Day that I had on Monday night, uh, the Coyotes were, down, were up by one with four minutes left in the game. And at that time, one of the Coyote players took a high stick from one of the Washington Capitol team, took a high stick to the face, and he was down. And so the other team was going to get a penalty for high sticking. And those of us in attendance were really pretty excited because there was very much a possibility that he would be bleeding and let me explain something to you about hockey. That if there's blood, if, if actual red goo comes out of a person who has been offended, it's an extra two-minute penalty. you got to love a sport where they work that into the rules. You t- if you just think about that for a moment. I mean, that it's a two-minute penalty for high sticking. It's an extra two-minute penalty if you draw blood. Amen. And... And so what happened is all of us in attendance were pretty, were kind of on the edge of our seat because there was only four minutes left in the game. We were up by one. If they had a penalty for for the two minutes plus the two minutes, it's pretty much a done deal, and the Coyotes win. And in the midst of all this, my nine-year-old son who was with me, who's just trying to grasp the game, he asked a question that had never occurred to me as a hockey fan. He said, kind of quietly, he said, Is he okay? I almost wanted to. I almost wanted to shush him. You, you don't ask that at a hockey game. Keep in mind, this is our player. This is our player who's on the ice and they're taking care of him and, and all that. And I just thought, well, that's a different perspective. Some, sometimes, in areas of our lives, it might be helpful to kind of look at it from a different angle, from maybe the angle of a nine-year-old to look at this situation. Many of you know the definition of insanity. It means doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Sometimes there is wisdom in looking at something from a different angle. And there are two ways that I want to just kind of throw out that I think would be helpful in terms of looking at something at a different angle. One way is to to seek God, is to seek God's perspective, is to seek wisdom from God. You don't have to turn with me. I, I got it uh, kind of tabbed here so I can go there quickly. In the New Testament, near the end of the New Testament, the uh, book of James. James chapter 1, verse 5, he writes, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. That we are to, we are to go to God, and maybe it is in your prayer time, if you have a prayer time, to say, God, I am seeking wisdom in this particular area of my life. So often for me, the wisdom comes from the gift that he has given us in the Word of God. That's what Proverbs is all about. There's so much wisdom for so many areas of our lives from the book of Proverbs. I wouldn't take advice from Solomon with regard to uh, marriage or quantity of, but in many other areas, God has provided wisdom through him in this place. And you know what? In the 21st century, we no longer have the excuse of saying, I don't know what the Bible says about this area. That's no longer an acceptable excuse. You know why? Because Google will allow you to say, what does the Bible say about blank? Anything. Try it. Just try it. What does the Bible say about laziness? What does the Bible say about stewardship? What does the Bible say about sexuality? What does the Bible say about, I mean, obscure things, dyeing your hair, whatever. What does the Bible say about, and someone somewhere will have written about it. Now, there's a bunch of junk out there, absolutely. And you've got to be careful. You can't just, whatever you read, you can't just say, oh, I guess that's what the Bible says about that. But what you can get at least is Scripture references. On any particular topic, you read multiple different things that you find on that particular topic, And you'll find some consistent scripture references. Set aside all the paragraphs in between if you don't know who the source is. And just go to the scripture references. What does the Bible say about that particular topic? Wow, I didn't know that was in there. That's helpful. That's a different perspective. The second way that we can gain wisdom in character areas of our lives is to seek others. So we seek God and get a different perspective. We seek others and get a different perspective. This is so much a theme in the book of Proverbs. If you're still there in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5 continues, "...let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise." "...let the wise seek wisdom from others." Wisdom is to be passed down from generation to generation. And it is the foolish generation who does not think they need the wisdom from the previous generation. So much is lost when we're so prideful that we can't do that. This week, I was invite, my wife and I were invited over to Marsh and Lori's house for dinner, and uh, uh, Hillary... Uh, Schiffer, who is staying with the with the halls, she is an intern in our student union. Hillary, yeah, mm? okay, woo, Hillary, she's awesome, and she's staying with them. And I was so impressed with Hillary during our meal because she was just grilling us with questions about marriage. She was just grilling us with questions, seeking wisdom in terms of what what did you learn, what was the stumbling block, how did you what the process of moving there. She's an unmarried uh, young woman, and she's kind of just thinking about these things as most of us do when, when, when we're at that age or we're thinking about And she's seeking wisdom from other people, even me and Marsh. I mean, that, that shows a person of character. I, and as I thought about it later, I thought, you know, she was targeting most of the questions at our wives. But, but she was still, she was not missing the opportunity to seek wisdom in a particular area that was, that was at some point going to be part of her future. I, I, I'm just so impressed I'm just so impressed with that. I have go-to people for every character area of my life. Go-to people for every major character area of my life. And it's not the same person because no one has wisdom in all areas. So I'm not going to target this is the one person I model after because I'm going to embrace all of his foolishness as well. So I've got different people for different areas. This is my go-to person. For this area, this is the person I find the most wise in this particular area. Different go-to people for different areas. And then there's a flip side in terms of seeking wisdom, that there's a role for us to seek wisdom from others, but there's also a responsibility for us to be available for the next generation, for the people who who are seeking wisdom. When I think about our, our student union, which is where I, I got to speak at last week, and it was great to hang out with the, with the students and, and learn a little bit more uh, about what's going on there, as Beth and I swapped last Sunday. And, and uh, you know, what's happening over there on Sunday morning is great, and the mission trips are great. This weekend, the high school is on a, is on a winter retreat. It's great. All that stuff is, is fantastic. But our students, our young people, need persons to look to for wisdom other than in addition to their parents, in addition to their parents, do they have other people to bring wisdom into their lives? They need adults, leaders, wise persons like you to invest in their lives, to pour into their lives, to say, I will lead a group, I will be involved because I needed that when I was young, I want to make that available. It is a responsibility, but it is an opportunity for us to do that with the next generation. So just, just in closing, and kind of wrap up, what character area of your life needs some attention in terms of wisdom? What character area of your life kind of pops up to the surface as a place where you could use some wisdom? You are wise In certain areas of your life, every one of you, every one of you has an area, multiple areas of your life where you are wise. But what I'm sure you've observed in life is that wisdom in one area does not always pour into wisdom in other areas. It doesn't necessarily mean you could discover a cure for cancer. It doesn't mean you're going to be a great wife. Spiritual growth means that we identify an area in our lives, a character area in our lives, that could use some wisdom, and we do something about it. We seek God more earnestly. We seek others. Because the reality is that wisdom is not optional. In character areas of our lives, it's not optional. We're not allowed to say, I'm just not a wise person. The character issue is to say, God, I'm seeking wisdom in this area. Come, help me. We're going to pray that as we close today. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I pray for wisdom to just reign in this room. God, I know that you have blessed some. You have gifted some with more wisdom than others. And that's your choice. That's how you've chosen to do this. But just because there's an area of our life where we feel like we don't have wisdom, it doesn't mean that we're allowed to just kind of let that place go. And in areas, maybe our finances, maybe our relationships, maybe it's our, our personal time, in areas where we tend to lack wisdom, God, I pray that you would supernaturally pour into those areas. That Just as James said, that if we would ask for wisdom, that you would provide that we would seek you and seek others, God, that there would be ways that you would fill that place with great wisdom. As we continue to worship here, God, would you give us the wisdom that we need in the area that we need it? In Jesus' name, amen.